keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome everybody to Wrestle Roasts, specifically the roasts of the Bella Twins and our all-out review. The wrestling world was shooken this past week with the arrival of Brian Danielson, with the arrival of Adam Cole, with the arrival of Ruby Soho, with the, 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 the hints that Kevin Owens and Bray Wyatt may be on the way. This is uh, it was a huge week for wrestling. Lots of talk. Just big about. for guys shaped like Bray Wyatt and Kevin Owens. <laughs> big for my three co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> or, or human cardboard cutouts like Adam Cole. <laughs> yes, Scott. How are you doing, man? Like Mike's never fucked a cardboard cutout. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, he actually takes his, a- yeah. he takes his action figures and he makes a pussy with the action figures. Like- but then I go, I go, yeah. it's story time for Mike. <laughs> guys that's just a preview of the uh the 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 high stakes back and forth we're gonna see from mc lawrence and sergeant slaughterhouse later in the show uh robert carpolis you're on uh kid duty right now what's going on uh Not his kids been, he just has random kids in his house there, there's just random uh small children in my house which which seems safe Whoa, it's like an aw locker room Oh that was exactly God. the joke I was this building to. I was going to make a Marco Stunt joke, and you fucking trampled all over it. And it's the only reason I would have been happy that Marco Stunt exists. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm, even that wouldn't have been enough. Um, yeah, no, uh, happy, healthy New Year to all of our, our Jewish fans and all of our non-Jewish fans. Hope you enjoyed the free day off, jerks. Dude, how fun, though, was Marco Stunt going after Brandon Cutler, the selling of Brandon Cutler? That guy's, like, becoming my new favorite wrestler. And I'm not being ironic. He's maybe the best jobber of all time maybe maybe better than briscoe and patterson when they were the job squad at uh for vince i don't know um they're up there so hold on i start talking about russia shana and you fucking bury barry horowitz three seconds later (laughs) (laughs) anti-semitic prick (laughs) well it is a wrestling podcast all right it's time for the bright side of the bella two of us are jewish uh so you are welcome here jewish friends (laughs) (laughs) um unlike a tony khan's family thanksgiving jews are welcome here (laughs) yeah dude if 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 a mustache could commit a hate crime it's his dad's mustache unbelievable his dad refers to mjf as one of the good ones unlike the prince muhammad dinners the night before a saudi arabia show jews are welcome here (laughs) (laughs) well let's talk about the bright side of uh the bella twins I don't think anybody's going to be chomping at the bits to get to this. So I'll, I'll start out uh, three times Divas champion, uh, both in the hall of fame. Nikki Bella was the teen choice female athlete of the year. Uh, the, they were the Rolling Stone. Oh, she was the Rolling Stone diva of the year in 2015, I believe. And Nikki Bella was the number one wrestler, in the PWI top 50 of female wrestlers. 
I wrote Bree seems nice. Uh, Nikki was classy at the SummerSlam presser, and I enjoyed the WrestleMania 33 feud with Miz and Maurice. I thought that was better than it had any right being. And yes, a lot of that was was the fake proposal <laughs> and uh, and Miz and and Maurice cutting those like fun videos, but. Scotty Chaps, what do you think about the Bella Twins? What are some bright sides of the Bella Twins? I think in, in terms of doing a thing that Vince always wanted, they've knocked it out of the park more than almost anybody, right? They made people not into wrestling at least know about wrestling. I don't necessarily know if more people tuned into Raw or SmackDown because of the, you know, because of Total Divas, but I know people tuned into Total Divas. My sisters loved the shit. Um, there's a few other women that I know that loved it, uh, and knew about wrestling because of them. And I think that matters. And so they're cool with me in that sense. I never was excited when they came to the ring or anything, you know, they weren't very good in the ring, but they did that total divas. And then total Bellas is actually a big deal. And I'm willing to recognize it. That's about it. They also, I mean, I'll, I'll say this too. They put over Oscar when they came back. They pulled over Ronda. Like they always. But what does that mean? Like put over? Like they were told they had to lose to her. It's not like <laughs> they like got the best out of them. You know, it's like they, they, they got Bella Pool, they man. They they decide. They just <laughs> they lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are the Hogan's. Yeah, of like fifteen. <laughs> it's just, you know, they lost when they lost. I mean, that that's an unfortunate thing about that time. Actually, is it is like the the prequel to the revolution. It's like, you know, Charlotte beat Nikki, right? And then it became the women's title. But the 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 lead-in isn't really there. I mean, you could put it there, but it's really just a complete change in, in a thing. It's not like Nikki had yeah. anything to do with, oh, now we're wrestling better. No, you, you to, to do the, I mean, I agree. I mean, the precursor to the women's revolution in WWE uh, was the was the knockouts at TNA? I think you know is Gail For Kim sure, and yeah. Awesome Kong and all those and ODB Mike. But you know what? You know what? I will say this though, with with them not being love interests because everyone knew they were dating Cena and Brian, you did get storylines that weren't oh their love interest. That's something. Maybe that led to women actually being able to fight for a legit reason that doesn't involve a guy, you know, because they had feuds with each other that didn't involve dudes. And that's rare. I don't know. Mike. All right. This is my Lawrence Taylor. Uh, I've watched the first six, seven seasons of Total Divas. <laughs> it is one of the things I could talk to my mom about. Um, everything she knows about wrestling is Jeez, this bright show. side is the most depressing bright side. I think we've done so far. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, I can talk to my mom about this one. <laughs> I love I love that I get to have phone calls with my mom makes this the most depressing bright side. <laughs> uh, no man, I mean here here's the thing. Uh I you know I I, I wrote on the soup. Uh, I, I do I'm a reality show junkie. I watch a lot of this shit. One of the reasons I can't get into housewives, I've never been able to get into housewives. The reason I've been able to get into total divas, I mean, yeah, there's the wrestling, but I think for, for women who aren't even wrestling fans that, that like the show, you know, my mom said this, other women have said this, 
they're all women with jobs. Like every woman on the show, there's no just housewives. There's no, you know, like people just living mm. off laurels or whatever. It's like them going from town to town with their work. And, you know, it's also, I will always respect anyone that out carnies the carnies and the Bellas out carnied the carnies, you know, where they were able, I mean, how fucking impressive is it if you really think about it, that they use fucking wrestling to create like a female lifestyle brand and media empire. Like that's, that's pretty fucking like they, they, they use the same place that, you know, fucking Fandango was from to create their own version of goop. Like that's insane. I think that's actually uh, what Fandango's name is on the indie circuit now. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, you know, these are very fucking motivated, talented, driven women. And you see them in their shows. Um, And and I will say to add on to what you're saying, Mike, like my wife's a reality show junkie. So I've watched more reality shows in in the past couple of years than than I ever have. And like, you'd think if it was like a wrestling, which is, you know, maybe this is also detracting because I like the real housewives because they're just a bunch of animals kind of yelling at each other and shit. Like that's to me, that's what I enjoy about reality TV. And like, these girls are pretty classy, man. Like I was going through like the biggest fights of the Bellas on YouTube and stuff. And it's all like, not that scathing, you know, it's never like, you know, they, they come across as like, humans and not just reality animals the, the, the first ever episode of of total divas um is set at wrestlemania 29 and the main story of it is that they find out that their match gets cut because i think pumpkin taker went too long or something <laughs> but they're backstage and they're in their gear and they're waiting to go on and i mean here's the thing like what is really fascinating about the show is that you get to see some of those behind the scenes people. Mark Carano has no personality, but he's there all the time. You, you never, Vince is never on the show. Stephanie's been on once or twice, but like the seamstresses, like a lot of the production people, like when, you know, Robert talks about like the, the factory of WWE, the machine of it, you see it in um, that show. Like, and a lot of the storylines are based on the wrestling stuff. It's really, it's really fascinating uh, at times. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's a reality show on Ian. It has all those tropes. But, you know, the fact that the Bellas were the ones who were on it and then got their own show says something, too. And, and the last thing I want to say about them is, like, I was thinking about it this week of, like, who would be one of the toughest people to roast for us. And it really, in my mind, would be Brian Danielson. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, this is the person that he loves and that they share their life together and that there is something like that they have and i think that you know like he's probably made her a better person but she's made him a better person too and that they, they've been together for like nine ten years now they have kids and like when you watch like the aw media scrum he constantly talks about her and how much he loves her and i feel like so it's got to be yeah. difficult to date Daniel Bryan to like, oh, we can't go to this grocery store. We can't, you know, yeah. <laughs> it can't be like the easiest fucking marriage in the world. I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. It's better than like Jake Roberts or something, but like, you know, it's, it's its own set of problems. I mean, you know, it's like the, 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 the Bella twins are the anti-sables because we get to see them in public. 
<laughs> Robert, uh, lay, lay, lay it on us. Lay some bright side of the Bella Twins on the old Wrestle Roads Forbidden Dork audience. Uh, JBL was a, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of other difficult bright sides. Now, you know what? The, the Bella Twins were the perfect model at the time that they came in. They, they were initially part of that diva search wave. And a lot of the women that came in there, all due respect, were really useless and out of place. And they saw this as a jumping off platform, but didn't understand how to do it. I think of like a Joy Giovanni who got brought in, got all of this TV time and was, and was just squandered it. Uh, the Bella Twins took the temperature of the room. They knew how to play themselves as divas. They knew how to evolve when necessary. And contrary to popular belief, towards the end of their careers, they got better in the ring when they needed to. They were at least trying to be more impressive. Brie was trying to wrestle a Daniel Bryan style a little bit. Nikki was trying to wrestle more as a power wrestler. They were adapting and and not being complacent. And I think that's something that's it's it's commendable. If nothing else, they did bring in an outside audience with Total Divas and Total Bellas. Um, my, my wife knew who they were from that. A lot of people knew who they were. That's the prototypical champion, you know, champion that Vince wants. And that's why the Bellas were great. Well, I think uh, I think we said it, said it all about the old Bella twins. I think it's time to roast them. By the Mike. way, this, this bright side was still a lot longer than the JBL one. Uh, well, and the, re <laughs> the research for this episode, a lot more fun. <laughs> well, because if you Google Bella Twins and racist, nothing really comes up. So it's a little <laughs> bit easier than JBL. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike, uh, lay it on us. Who, the, who should the otter, what, what, what should the otter be for the roast of the Bella Twins? All right, let's start with, uh, let's start with you, Dan. Oh, it's me. Rose of the Bella Twins. Brie Bella and Daniel Bryan, or Beauty and the Burt's Beast. <laughs> listing, <laughs> list, listing the Bella's accomplishments is like reading Major League Baseball stats when there was still a Negro League. <laughs> <laughs> the Bella's tag run was so forgettable, it's being studied by Chris Nowinski. <laughs> reality shows game shows guest starring on psych they're the renaissance women of things becky lynch turned down <laughs> they debuted in 2008 and are now considered ring veterans the only thing green about them is the card nikki promised artem uh i heard from a psychic that twin magic is the ability to fill each other's botches from thousands of miles away <laughs> Regis fucked up a hurricanrana. I guess that makes Meltzer, Scatman, Crothers, and that act out. Uh, their wrestling style is Terry Shivo's husband trying to make her come one last time. <laughs> Nikki Bella dresses like Bugs Bunny's romantic interest in Space Jam. Imagine having John Warrenitis as your stepdad. I'm not trying to take your dad's place. I'm just trying to fill the holy left with your mom's money. <laughs> the Bella's theme music as well. I don't really have a joke besides when I wrote music in my iTunes notes, it automatically changed the word to suicide. <laughs> it's true. There was no total Bella's is what happens when you combine the excitement of pro wrestling, the outrageousness of a reality show and then make sure none of that makes it on screen. 
<laughs> the only thing blander than Brie Bella on Total Bellas is whatever bullshit Daniel Bryan made them for dessert. It's a strawberry rhubarb made from hemp. Mmm. Goes great with Shailene Woodley's period. Nikki went out with John Cena because his theme song reminds her of her dad. <laughs> Nikki's historic title reign is a testament to both hard work and how much WWE can spite someone for being married to CM Punk. <laughs> and finally, Nikki's finishing move is the rack attack, which sounds like boob job complications or the final level in a Benoit video game. <laughs> Roast of the Bella Twins. All right, Robert. Uh, <clears throat> the Bella Twins famously employed twin magic, a neat trick where whenever they appeared on TV, the audience disappeared. <laughs> Nikki Bella's finishing move was called the Rack Attack, and much like Shawn Michaels, was famous for her nip-up. <laughs> Nikki and Brie are identical twins. Nikki was with John Cena while Brie married Daniel Bryan. So it's clear one of them wished for a man using a fountain and the other used a monkey's paw. <laughs> Nikki Bella dated Dolph Ziggler before she was with Cena. And much like their in-ring work, it would take Dolph an hour to accomplish what it only took Cena five moves of doom. <laughs> John originally proposed to Nikki Bella while she was drugged going into surgery, which is the happiest story ever to involve a wrestler alone with a drugged woman. <laughs> <laughs> Bree's pump-up move was called Bree Mode, named after her wild drunken stupors where she became an out-of-control mess. Throw in some oxy and a snake and it's Jake Roberts mode. <laughs> the Bella's theme music opens with, you can look, but you can't touch, which when it comes to wrestling fans is the general rule with women. <laughs> Here's my Scott joke. The Bella twins worked at Hooters, which gave them great practice later in life when the audience wouldn't give a hoot about their matches. Yes. The Bellas starred in Total Divas and Total Bellas because if there's one thing true about wrestling fans, it's that they love watching E. <laughs> John Cena proposed to Nikki Bella at WrestleMania and is the only piece of Mania footage never allowed to be seen again that doesn't somehow involve Chris Benoit. <laughs> The Bellas take credit for give divas a chance the way COVID takes credit for getting people to wash their hands. <laughs> In the end, John Cena and Nikki split when John told her, you can't see me wanting to stay with you. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> oh, Robert Carpolis. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, today we're talking about the Bella Twins, the most popular wrestlers ever for women whose husbands aren't coming back. <laughs> yes they're the mean girls that made fun of you for liking wrestling in high school but realized they could get more money if they pretend to like wrestling <laughs> right smack in the middle between the years of great matches from trish lita and jazz and classics from becky sasha bianca bailey and charlotte there were four years of two minute matches where one twin would switch places with another to outsmart alicia fox <laughs> They had a journey from WWE stars to reality TV stars. Yes, they've traded one form of scripted conflict for another. Most wrestlers can have a great match, but these two carried Natty Neidhart through conversations. <laughs> <laughs> 
They're proof that <laughs> things have improved for ladies in wrestling. For years, women were whored out by the fabulous moolah, and now it's E! Entertainment Television. <laughs> They're like the Kardashians that their family wasn't famous and they only slept with white athletes <laughs> that aren't actually athletes. <laughs> uh, the, uh, they have their own YouTube channel and sell overpriced clothing, just like real celebrities. Do you want the same confidence Brie and Nikki had when they faced off against the Funkadactyls? <laughs> then you'll also want a $54 pair of empowered yoga pants from shop.birdiebee.com. <laughs> <laughs> They're on the same network as Botch, which surprisingly isn't about Brie's in-ring career. <laughs> Daniel Bryan's, uh, Brian Danielson is the better wrestler, but Brie's the more dangerous opponent. If you wrestle Brie, you're definitely getting your fucking head kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Bryan's vegan but he still loves the taste of brie it's the real reason he has all that neck damage <laughs> and it says a lot about how annoying brie is that Daniel will happily risk re-injuring his neck so he doesn't have to hear about birdie bee clothing and go on family trips with Johnny fucking ace <laughs> want to hear about how I came up with the dynamic dudes no 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 <laughs> nikki was a much better wrestler when one half of the twins sagged behind the other we call that bella's palsy <laughs> just based on her boobs it's been easier for nikki to embrace things that are fake <laughs> she went after cena because she needs to sleep on top of the card <laughs> John Cena cheated on his ex-wife with Nikki Bella. She even came home once and she still couldn't see them. They were right there in the bed. I know it's cheap and easy to just make sex jokes, but if I went any deeper, I'd have to watch their matches. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, things didn't last between uh, Nikki and Cena because they had different views on family. She wanted kids and he has taken so many steroids that he jizzes creatine. <laughs> the Bellas were on Best Week Ever, not the popular early 2000s version, the early 2010s one where they'd put anyone on. And also Dan St. Germain. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, uh, now with Brian Danielson, AEW, the big question is, will we ever see the Bella Twins follow suit? Yes, but only after Roads to the Top gets canceled and they need another reality show. <laughs> That's hey it from me. Go ahead, Scotty. They, they call me uh, old two-season St. Germain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Scott. Mm. The, the time you had that job was the best week ever. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, the Bella Twins. If you can't tell the difference between them, it's actually really easy. I got a trick, right? So Bree has got vegetables and Nikki's got melons. Ah? <laughs> oh my God. Jesus Christ. Yes, I, I, yes, I mean, yes, yes, yes. There's a, there's a window prove, there's in back of Scott. Types, hey, 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 if you don't like that one, up. if you don't like that one, they prove there's two types of girls, okay? Those, those who like plants, and those who like implants. <laughs> well, this is the happiest that Scott is to read with a Suzuki match right. on television. Dude, this is the most I get to be like the dice man. 
of all the roads. <laughs> like most twins, their career started when they went outside together. <laughs> you just got to be hot in twins and you get things. It's fucking insane. Speaking of hot twins, uh, engine fuel fire can't melt steel beams. Vince didn't see anything special in them being twins because to him, all women look the same. <laughs> Hold on, I got a pop up. Okay, they competed in a WWE diva search uh, where, you know, competed with other women to get contracts. Uh, not to be confused with an MLW diva search where everyone grabs a flashlight and tries to find a woman. Last seen with Teddy Hart. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, man. A bunch of stickers in the row, but then the ace of the spades. Holy shit. Their middle school soccer coach was the first person to let them know how athletic they were. Breaking news. Their middle school soccer coach is a liar. <laughs> They're not athletic. Cena and Brian acted in their relationship the same way they did in WWE. Brian always said yes to Brie. And Cena always said, you can't see me to Nikki. <laughs> uh, amazing to think that they didn't grow up watching wrestling. And now they've inspired millions of children to also not watch wrestling. They were Hooters girls, or as I like to call it, 2004 Performance Center. <laughs> uh, Brie mode, you mean fast forward? <laughs> uh, being in love with Nikki is the only time I've enjoyed John Cena's acting. <laughs> all, the, all the hours he donated to charity, he didn't have time to make Nikki's wish. <laughs> you see the Bella Army, I see child soldiers. They were big fans of the Spice Girls growing up, which was perfect for Cena's policy of if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. <laughs> she fucked Ziggler. Uh, Nikki eventually friends. turned on Brie. I was also turned on. And finally, Nikki with John, Brie with Brian, their mom with Laurinaitis. I'd call them gold diggers, but in wrestling, digging for gold will only lead to the discovery of a woman last seen with Teddy Hart. <laughs> also, her mom is definitely not a gold digger. Yeah, what is she? Did she I don't know. Like Desperate? <laughs> someone, someone into cancer patients? <laughs> no. do you imagine how shitty the last guy you dated if like johnny ace becomes your husband i mean the <laughs> thing is when he <laughs> says you take my breath away you believe him because of his voice <laughs> his uh her mom's a good looking lady too you know good yeah. for johnny good for johnny uh bad for her but good for johnny <laughs> uh that was fun guys yeah, next week we're roasting AJ Styles, so very different jokes next what week. What if his voice has just been like that all these years because of a pube? Like that, that Kirby <laughs> Enthusiasm episode? <laughs> Ooh, I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> it would, I mean, it would have, you know, that would be great that he was with a woman who had pubes, which you can't say about a lot of old wrestling guys. So, shout out Terry Taylor. All right. Let's get to show in hell karma announcing her pregnancy i hadn't seen this in forever i forgot it existed did she really uh, announce it i mean is that an announcement <laughs> well i don't i don't know i mean she she goes into it um this is interesting i mean it's not great but 
I mean, my, my big note fear was the only time that WWE can make a baby face is when they've already made a heel. Like by the end of it, you're cheering for karma. And part of that is just because awesome Kong is awesome. Um, but also part of it is, is that like Vince is just really good at making cool heels and people you want to cheer for. Mike, you picked this. Uh, what are your notes on it? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the Bellas, uh, you know, wrestled in a very unfortunate time <laughs> in WWE uh, for multiple reasons. Like, you know, we, we all talk about the summer of punk, which was three weeks in the middle of like yeah. five awful fucking years. Yeah, it was um, a summer of punk in the middle of two years of Sheamus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the fact that you had, uh, you know, the the celebrity GMs, the anonymous GM. This was a this is not a great time. Um, but this, yeah, yeah, karma. So the whole thing, and I, I think the the clip I sent, I'll, I'll tweet it out to everybody. Is um, the yeah, tweet it out tonight like so they karma, can have this tomorrow. Karma comes out and she talks about like her dream, like. And the, the whole thing, like, the lead-up to this was she was just destroying people. They had these vignettes of her, like, ripping dolls' heads off, and it was fucking cool. And then, you know, she announces this pregnancy, and she had never, like, talked before <laughs> this way. Well, remember, what was it, the week before she came out, and you thought she was going to kick everybody's ass, and she, like, dropped to her knees and started crying, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. she and said, I'm she pregnant. Like, I always wanted to be a mom, and, I, you know, and then, I mean, so the, the reason I picked this also is that so the Bellas come out and they just bully her for two minutes with every joke that Vince, you know, this is, you know, I don't know how many segments are truly written by Vince McMahon. This one was, there's no way this wasn't pure Vince because this is just them making fat jokes and shit like that. And like, it's so scripted. It's so like, you could tell they're uncomfortable telling these jokes. Yeah. But the fact that they did, you know, is why they uh, kept their jobs for so long. It's a very, it's a very awkward segment. And, and I'm glad that uh, Tia Stevens got to have uh, a great role on GLOW. Also, I want to give a shout out to the WWE fans here. Because imagine doing the segment in the Attitude Era. Like, you could hear the WWE universe, quote unquote, being uncomfortable during this entire segment, opposing to like the Attitude Era where they would have been like chanting fat ass or whatever the fuck. Um, Robert, what did you think of this segment? I mean, this is this is great, uh, great creative. It really tells a, a compelling story. <laughs> and what's fun about this is they totally, totally pay it <laughs> off by her coming back and getting revenge on them and becoming successful in the WWE. Oh, wait, no, no, they, they wasted her and fired her and there was no payoff other than Vince getting to make fun of somebody. Cause he thought, so you looked fat on TV, um, which was again, one of those situations where it's super easy to get something like this over to Vince. If you are a writer, because it plays on everything he loves, which is uh, we're making fun of somebody for looking different. We're bullying somebody for choosing a family over her career. And, uh, you know, this is great heat for the Bellas. It, it, it was it was pure bullying. It was it was a chance for for him to do this kind of, you know, the, the Jim Ross ha ha nonsense. Um, this is the kind of humor that Vince enjoys. So when when people get all all up in arms about some of the stuff that's on there and, and uh, you know, this might be offensive. This is this is the kind of stuff that drives Vince. Uh, making fun of somebody for for looking different 
uh, and then mocking them at a point in time where they're supposed to be happy. And uh, this is why Triple H is the villain uh, in Vince's mind. There was that, oh, that whole thing this week about Ali tweeting out that when his wife was pregnant and he asked for some time off, Hunter was like, rather than taking two weeks, just go back and move and be with her. That would never be Vince's decision. This was Vince was pissed that they invested time and karma on TV with video packages to make a monster heel. And then she had the audacity to go out there and get pregnant. Therefore, let's drag her out there, humiliate her, and never pay it off. Scott, what do you think of the segment? I think uh, this week I saw, you know, because I would say, ah, you know, you make fun of a pregnant woman and stuff. That that would never work. And then it worked on Dynamite beautifully. Uh, I actually remember seeing this at the time. And look, I don't like the insults or anything, but I do remember thinking these girls are tiny enough that they might go after her. And I remember thinking, being a little nervous about that. And I guess that's a plus in wrestling, right? To actually think some, something might happen. I don't know. I thought something was going to happen when I watched it. So. Yeah, I, I actually, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Like I'm, I'm actually fine with the heat, but it's like Robert said, there was no payoff. And I think in the conversation of like people that Vince bungled, you know, awesome. Uh, Kong is is it should be at the top of that list. Right. I mean, I, I, no, she always gets skipped over, but I mean, how much money I think could karma could have made them a lot of money. And I mean, I don't know if that was also, you know, the injuries kind of plagued her way during her career. It obviously did at AEW. Um, but I, I think that she should get included. Oh, she was definitely it's, it's someone funny, they left like, money on the table for. Yeah, it's funny. You want to you want to like talk to Vince now and be like, you know, 10 years ago, you had a Nia Jax that could work. <laughs> but I didn't have a Reggie. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, next week, we're doing AJ Styles. Then as far as reps coming up, we've got the honky tonk man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Gangrel, Darby Allen, Abdullah the Butcher, which I believe our friend Zach Amico will be on with us. Alexa Bliss and the Big Red Machine Kane for our Halloween episode. This week's something of sports entertainment with. We're going to be covering Rampage and SmackDown, uh, Mr. Carpolis and I. This week's Bright Side, we've got the Bright Sides of Bret Hart, all the ones we didn't get to. So Bright Sides of Bret Hart, Goldberg, the Hardy Boys, Million Dollar Man, Big Show, Shane McMahon, and Baron Corbin. September 20th, we're going to be covering WrestleMania 2. September 27th, we're going to be reviewing Extreme Rules. October 4th, the roast of Alberto Del Rio. October 11th, Halloween Havoc 1993 and Wrestling's Darkest Crimes. October 18th, they're off. October 25th will probably be the WWE pay-per-view, whatever that uh, will be. And November 1st, our next Patreon roast. Uh, after Alberto Del Rio, so we've got Alberto Del Rio coming up first, will be the roast of Nick Gage. So a lot of fun stuff coming up on Patreon. We're already talking about November and December. It should be a, should be a blast closing out old 2021. But now let's talk about modern wrestling. And that, my friends, would be this past weekend. Some are saying one of the greatest pay-per-view of all time, all out 2021. I won't say it was the greatest pay-per-view of all time, I actually think I may, as a wrestling show, like double or nothing a little more, but I really thought this show was great. And, uh, you know, for, it was, it was definitely worth the 50 bucks. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, what's, we're going to go match by match. First off, uh, let's go into the pre-show. Uh, we had a, I think a 10 man tag match. It was jungle boy, Luchasaurus. And then, 
uh, Wheeler, Utah, Orange Cassidy, and Chuck Taylor versus Big Money Matt Hardy, the Street Profits, uh, the Blade, and well, maybe not the Blade. It was two other guys. Who were the other two guys on this? I forget. Oh, so it was like... Private Party, not the Street Profits. They're on yeah. SmackDown. Oh, sorry. I think golf like teams look like. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like I said before, Harlem Heat 2000. And, uh, uh, anyway, this was, uh, this was from, kind of a uh, This was let's exactly keep what. Dan a... away from Darius and Dante Martin so he doesn't tell them how great they were. <laughs> uh in the new day <laughs> uh yeah all right well i um i'm wrong that was that there was a 10-man match it was fine it was exactly uh i think what a pre-show match should have been a lot of a lot of action the only thing that was kind of dumb about it was uh they had a promo from dan lambert which i don't know how that got anybody else anybody to uh to buy the pay-per-view and thank god they didn't really pull it up. you know i used to be a damn lambert guy i was like let's see where this is going but uh i think he's got go away heat now man especially this last week on dynamite i'm like what what are they doing with this fucking character fun fact <laughs> that dan lambert promo was supposed to be part of the main show and they moved it to the pre-show uh earlier in the or later in the afternoon because uh, someone had clued me in saying there's going to be a dan lambert promo during the pay-per-view as the second segment and somebody thought better of it and moved it to the prestigious pre-show. Yeah, someone was like, wait, but if we don't show this during the show, we might be able to be the best pay-per-view of all time. <laughs> He's yeah, no Dan Pete Rose. is fucking terrible. Um, no. No, he is. Let me, let me finish. Can I finish, Scott? Yeah, all I said was no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that is true. That's all I said. It's just, okay, if it's him and these MMA guys who are actually going to do something, I'm I'm more okay with it. But hit like Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page could not be more miscast as actual men uh, <laughs> next to next to him. And it, it's also you know, you know, we'll talk about it later with Dynamite. But watching him and then putting an MJF promo right after that. Did Dan Lambert no fucking favors at all? <laughs> all right, yeah, I just want to uh, correct myself uh, by saying that the it was Orange Cassidy, Wheeler, Utah, Chuck Taylor, the Dress Express versus Matt Hardy, TH two, and Crime Time. Uh, Scott, <laughs> what was, Scott, what did you think about this pre-show? Yeah, it was fun, man. You know, you had like all these people that the crowd has grown to love, and you get to cheer for all of them, and it's. You know, there's a lot of quick, fast moves, and it gets this, you know, warms everybody up just right. Yeah, I thought it was good. All right. Let's get to the actual card. Our opening match. That was very good. For the TNT Championship, Miro versus Eddie Kingston. Uh, obviously setting up for a rematch, hopefully at Arthur Ashe Stadium, hopefully the event that me and Scotty will be going to. We're still... Uh, looking at places we could all maybe hang out and say hi to everybody beforehand. Uh, there's not a lot around Arthur Ashe Stadium. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I thought this match was 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 really good besides Jim Ross. Jim Ross, the entire story of this match was Eddie Kingston saying that your neck, your neck is the soft spot, Miro. Your neck is what I'm going to target. And JR, uh, apropos of nothing, just goes, I think his chest is his soft spot. And I'm like, come on, man. Just fucking 
read the bare minimum of notes before the pay-per-view. You have to understand, though, Jim Ross's chest is his neck. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, what did you think of this match? Yeah, I loved it. I loved everything about it. Uh, The first time that the ref got booed and it was completely intentional, you were supposed to be booing him. I thought it looked perfect. I really, I just loved it. I mean, redeemed these nuts and then he low blows them. Uh, it was hard hitting. The crowd was going absolute H ape shit. It felt like a big pay-per-view match. And it was like, it was the perfect way to kick off the show. Love Robert. It. Yeah. I enjoyed the hell out of the match. Um, I love the mural presentation. Him and Eddie worked well together as just two brutes that were just beating the hell out of one another. They didn't care about making it look really pretty. It, it fit in nicely. The, the rampage before did a lot of the, the heavy lifting of trying to get people excited for this feud. It goes back to, I wish they gave these guys more time. If there was any sort of critique criticism of it whatsoever, is that this is sort of their mania style. You only get one of four pay-per-views a year. It kind of sucked that it's like, all right, it's a low blow and we're building to something else versus it would have been cool to see some kind of a payoff here going forward. But again, super minor critique. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it and I look forward to seeing him go again. Mikey L. Yeah, I mean, if, if the option was it completely ends or it continues, I'm glad it's continuing. I mean, yeah, it was a little rushed in, but as as a match and presentation on the show, it was great. I mean, Kingston is super fucking over. Uh, Miro's the best he's ever been. I I think, you know, there's there's a theme on this show of on the surface of, you know, former WWE guys uh, pinning AEW incumbents in a lot of the matches. But I will say it didn't, it doesn't bother me that much because I don't feel like a lot of them are has-beens. Like, you know, guys like, like Miro was underused and now he's finally being used correctly. He just happened to have worked in WWE. So it, well, so it would have it would have been I mean, what what a blown opportunity if they had Eddie Kingston go over here and they were planning on doing Eddie Kingston Miro at, at Arthur Ashe, you know? No, I agree with that for sure. And and I think, yeah, this was a fun, hot opener where these guys beat the shit out of each other. And, you know, uh, I think that this night was about AEW showcasing everything that they do. And this was a great way to start. Next up, we have John, uh, John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. Um, crowd was kind of, eh, I don't know. I wasn't that into this match. Um, but, you know, I was into Suzuki coming out at the end, which was kind of awkwardly paced. But uh, that's basically what they were doing. This was basically a preview for, for Dynamite this Wednesday. Robert, what do you think of this? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, the match was underwhelming what was kind of strange was they were during the match trying to tell the story of the lariat being this devastating move but they hadn't ever talked about that before on dynamite or rampage so as a casual viewer someone who's not super ingrained in what's going on you didn't know what you were supposed to be looking out for that oh man i really hope moxie doesn't get hit with this clothesline because it's a good narrative story where it's like all right you have a reason why you want to be concerned if this guy goes to throw a clothesline um the suzuki reveal after Again, minor nitpick, but did kind of bum me that people paid to watch the pay-per-view and now you're providing a better match on free TV rather than the pay-per-view that the audience paid for. And you do run a risk 
of the live crowd getting kind of pissed off about that of, well, we paid to see the lesser version of what you're going to give away on free TV a few days later. And there did seem to feel a little bit of that vibe. And I, I don't know, that's the only thing I, I would rather have seen them, you know, reshuffle it a little bit and give Suzuki on the pay-per-view. But uh, I, I don't know, it, did, it, it wasn't great for me, but it was fine to have Moxley out there. L- l- luckily, they had a few more surprises that night. I don't remember any other big surprises during the evening. Well, I think uh, that's, we're that's, we're that's kind of to Robert's point more. You have three more surprises later on. Why not just a match, announce this match, but give somebody else a dynamite match with Moxley. What do you think, Scott? I, th- I thought it over delivered in terms of what people expected. The crowd was super into it. Uh, they knew how to react. They knew how to chant. They dug the hell out of it. I, I, I thought, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I was more concerned initially when it started where I was like, Oh, Kingston versus Miro is kind of, you know, that's hard hitting. And now this is going to be hard hitting, but it worked, Thought it was cool. Mike and the Suzuki thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that was an awesome, awesome moment. People flipped out. It's crazy. How much charisma that guy has just like walking to the ring. Yeah. And in terms of timing, it's just that damn song, you know, it's like everybody yeah. loves that song, but it's so goddamn long and he likes to wait forever before he comes out. And yeah. Yeah, yeah I, tough, I can't but... see Tony Khan uh, telling Suzuki when to go out. <laughs> Which was also tough because they had the, the announcers trying to tease the who is it but they showed the Tron, which already showed Suzuki. And then Excalibur's like, I don't know who this is. We didn't hang out in PWG. So there's awkward silence until he walks out. Well, to be fair, at that point, JR was talking about Excalibur. He wasn't even talking about who is that? Oh, the, the mask. Mike, uh, Mike, what did you think of this? Yeah, no, the, that reveal was hilarious to me. And it, it did feel odd and weird of how long it took. Um, you know, it's really hard to talk about this without talking about dynamite um i guess i will just a little bit now uh we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> I'll, I'll speed through my thoughts on the their other match later but i feel like the fact that the suzuki moxley match we got was eight minutes long and half of it was during a commercial break uh, it was picture in picture oh, so yeah, you yeah. could still enjoy the re- state re- farm commercial re- re- restaurant call yeah yeah, yeah, Parker cut a promo during this. We got the Parker <laughs> promo again. <laughs> yeah, I but, think it was um, a seven-minute match with a commercial. I think it ended up being like three and a half minutes on TV. Exactly. On, on so yeah. I feel Rough. like... And a minute of it was Suzuki trying not to fall over from clotheslines. And, 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 and to be honest, like, <laughs> it's hard to... I don't know. Maybe he does. Guys- like, can we talk about this for a second? I love Suzuki, but he acts like he's in an earthquake in a middle school play when that happens. <laughs> Well, right. He is from Japan, so they have a lot of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, they have a lot of earthquakes. But uh, I, I just feel that we got a full uninterrupted match of Moxley versus lesser guy and then ended up getting three and a half fully televised minutes of him and Suzuki. So this was about the surprise, but then the surprise kind of ended up being a bit of a letdown to me i would have rather well we'll, we'll, we can get to that on dynamite but it was i I mean it was awesome he came out it ruled on the pay-per-view yes and then you know because of time the match didn't get to and we get yeah you know you go damn i'd like more of them but at the pay-per-view yeah this was really cool As as a moment this worked but knowing you know look if we reviewed this sunday night my thoughts would be different Yes, we're reviewing it thursday and so i wish we could have gotten the 12 minute suzuki match instead 
Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. My note for this is Statlander has for sure gotten better. Uh, the Orange Cassidy spot I thought was awesome. Uh, this was a good match, man. No, no complaints here, Scott. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. I think Statlander is really, really good. I liked uh, Britt Baker doing Cole's move. Yeah, it was. I had a blast watching it. Mr. Lawrence. Yeah, I, I like this a lot. I mean, you know, they 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 kept this show really simple and really focused on on the people that matter the most. I thought that this show is great for longtime fans and new fans, where it was just, you know, Brit and her two goons and you know, Statlander just had orange, they didn't overcrowd it. And it felt like there were a lot of like singles matches where all of the tension was in the ring and, and it made the show better. Uh, and this match was one of those. I think Brit is fucking over. I mean, it's like you kind of want to turn her, but at the same time, the character's great, so you don't. <laughs> but yeah. she is she is the de facto baby face in a lot of her matches just because she's more likable. Robert. Uh, yeah, it was a perfectly fine, well-executed match. Uh, and for the AEW women's division, we tend to grade it a little bit on a curve because some of these matches tend to be a little lackluster. They had some chemistry together. My criticism going into it still wound up being somewhat valid, which is I don't like Orange Cassidy being out there with Britt Baker because the audience doesn't fully know who to commit to. There, There is a sect of the audience that no matter the fact that Britt Baker's a heel or not, they're going to cheer for her. And you don't want to ever risk jeopardizing making Orange Cassidy look like this totally over baby face. Well, the audience already got him earlier in the night with a full pop. I, I don't think that he was necessarily needed to be out there. Um, but-, yeah, but isn't that a little bit of a WWE mentality? I mean, we saw Malachi Black and Dustin Rhodes getting multiple chance last night. That's yeah, but that's different. Orange Cassidy is one of the one of the rare characters they have that works because he's universally over in any situation. And if the audience is seeing this and the crowd is not fully behind Orange Cassidy, it does it runs a risk that you don't need to take with a character that special. That's all I'm saying. I don't think that the risk was worth the reward coming out of it. If it was, if if they had written Orange Cassidy off earlier in the night, he got beaten up and instead it was, you know, Chuck Taylor or Yuta or somebody to have the presence that makes sense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily used orange in this spot, but again, it, it's not a major criticism. It was just, that was the minor takeaway. And Statlander came out of it better than she did going into it, which is really the measuring stick of if a match was successful. Well, we have a segment, uh, probably my least favorite thing on this pay-per-view, which was Andrade backstage, which I'm like, that just shouldn't have, like, why, why? just just mention it's going to be on Rampage. Like, all, all you're going to do is remind everybody at, at the stadium that you're not getting this match, and Andrade's a terrible promo, so why the fuck did you have this? Uh, anybody else have anything to add to this? This is now the third thing on this pay-per-view where they're promoting something that you're not getting on the pay-per-view. And that's, a re- again, you're promoting, you're going to get Suzuki, but not here. You're going to finally get the Andrade match, but not here. Uh, there, uh, what the hell was the other? It was an, oh, you're, you're going to see the, the Kingston match have a real divisive face to finish, not here. It's just, it's not a great recurring theme. I'm, I'm one of these people who, given all the bullshit at WWE pay-per-views do, I believe in the sanctity of an actual pay-per-view when you're paying $50, $60, that you're putting your best foot forward and not driving people to rampage because there's no one that's going to watch this pay-per-view that isn't already going to tune into dynamite. But, 
but but no, that's not true. It's CM Punk's first match back. It's a, bu- a bunch of people bought that pay per view just to do that. Yeah, but the people already tuned in to see the the number, the ratings for Punk on Dynamite and Rampage were through the roof. There was no one that was wait. I, I'm not going to watch him for free. I'm going to wait to pay for this by myself to watch it. And if they think that th- that seeing Andrade on on Dynamite is going to drive them versus everything else they delivered on the show. I just they, I, I they think have more you faith can in what they're doing. You, you can put your best foot forward, which they did, and then they also also advertise shows. I mean, it, it's knocking it out of the park, is what it's doing. I know I I still don't understand this. Like I love when they advertise an awesome rampage coming up and an awesome dynamite next week. Like we're mad that they're promoting other awesome shows. No, I'm specifically shows. saying that that match was supposed to be on that card. It was good. It was awesome. And you had a moment where that promo. Yeah, I liked it a lot because Chavo got to to justify Pac's absence. uh, And and it it made sense in the storyline by saying, you know, acting like, yeah, he canceled the flight. That's great. That was really smart. Uh, I will validate your opinion if you could tell me who the Harold Ramis looking motherfucker is next to Andrade. What if I told you that Andrade doesn't even know who he is <laughs> and therefore I don't have to. I think it's, right. I, I think it's Allie, that guy who owns the pit in New York. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Next up, well, you couldn't get a better advertisement for AEW than this next match uh, could be match of the year. And by, and of course we're referring to the steel cage, AEW tag title match, the Lucha bros versus the young bucks. Uh, the Frankensteiner spot was amazing. That may have been my favorite cage lawn dart ever. Um, Don, uh, I only wear gold, Jim Ross, great line. Even Don Cowles was great on commentary. Finish was phenomenal. Uh, the uh, Pentagon's daughter crying hysterically, not knowing whether or not her dad was dead, uh, was was a moment. Um, I don't know where Did I would put it. Blood on her face. Blood <laughs> yeah. on her face. It was the most AAA thing to ever happen in AEW. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the AAA shows, but they always end on a like a child crying while cutting their father's hair. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was. I mean, the match itself was was just a, a testament to how great all of these four guys were. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, man, it was a blast. It felt like I watched a movie about. A wrestling match like it, w- it was just it was really really fun a lot of fun mike i don't know what that meant scott because like you 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 felt like you were watching ready to rumble like, <laughs> well, I, I guess because of the way it was filmed because you know they did have to have a I guy just standing in the ring with them <laughs> like there's just there's god, a dude god, standing like, in the is, ring this, the whole time this is my favorite <laughs> match since randy the ram versus the ayatollah Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the acting in it, you know, these moments of pulling out a shoe and, yeah. and talking to this camera that, again, the camera guy is just present with you. It might as well have been Brandon Cutler. And, and, and you have these emotional moments of Penta jumping in front of him. It just, yeah, it felt like a big old dumb fun movie. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, so my thoughts on this, one, one thing is that I think it really helped that there was nothing else like this on the card that flips and 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 the level of violence was minimal because it made this feel more special than unique and um yeah this was fucking unbelievable the fact that that these guys have wrestled this much but like you know this felt like a pay-per-view like the thing robert's looking for like an act like a real blow-off i loved my my favorite part of the commentary was when callus didn't say anything at the end 
I thought that was such a great moment and like so revealing of character. And yeah, um, thank God we didn't see Penta's daughter until after the match because if they had shown her during it, it would have been a lot harder to watch. <laughs> but I can always enjoy the match <laughs> because I didn't see that. But yeah, when the, the, the five-year-old with blood on her face is, is something I will remember for a long, haunting time. <laughs> Next up, we have the casino. I, 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 oh, I'm sorry, Robert, yeah. Robert. I mean, it was it was fine. Like on Raw, you had New Day versus Veer and Jinder. That was a fucking barn. But no, this match was this match was incredible. These guys are great. I loved and stuff that I usually don't like about the the Young Bucks and their presentation worked really well in this match. I love the the stupid sneaker with thumbtacks on it. It looked great on TV. The moment where Pentas mask got stuck to it was fantastic. Uh, they, they, I was concerned about how they were going to shoot within the, the cage. They found a way to work around that and make it look good. Even if it was a guy standing in the ring, um, I'm a little pissed at Penta for letting his daughter know that it's him. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> fucked up, man. This is, this is Lucha 101. Um, that that's unforgivable. Otherwise for a match that I didn't like the booking going into it. I didn't like the idea that Lucha bros were going to win because the narrative is, they're on a downward spiral. Therefore, Andrade is going to try to save them. Uh, given all that, these guys fucking knocked it out of the park. It was great. And then another thing is there, there was a guy all night, and this may be my autism, but he was so distracting to me, who had the mask that looked like a beard. But the way that, it, like, the way that he wore it, he just looked like his face was fucked up. Yeah, and I noticed I him through it. the whole show. He's one but... of the PWT uh, Pro Wrestling Tees guys. Oh, okay, well, it was very distracting. Um, but it's not match... distracting to me if you give me free shit. Yeah, but this <laughs> this this match, I was able to not notice that because there was a cage, and so that really helped my enjoyment of it. <laughs> I fixate on dumb shit that's in my mind. You know, uh, I, I thought the guy's face was half burnt. Anything that yeah. blocks out the fans is going to be popular with Vince, so I'm sure he would have liked it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Mike, this show isn't about dumb shit. Next up, Abaddon in the Casino Battle Royal, uh, who I thought, oh, Bray debuted. Uh, there was also, like, who's the Asian female wrestler who's dressed like King Ralph? What's her name? Sakurai. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, this was fine. It was, you know, the match itself was, you know, they did some good things as far as, you know, Jade and Naya. I mean, I, I wish that Jade got more people out than Naya, but at least you're building that up. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, they didn't go with Thunder Rosa, even though I'd predicted Thunder Rosa. I, I'm glad they didn't go with her because now you can kind of wait for that. Um, and it was a nice night for Ruby Soho. What do you think of this, Scott? Yeah, so I turned, you know, I had this on the big screen. I had my volume all the way up. And so I felt like I was there. Uh, I went into the kitchen a little bit in the beginning of this, uh, took a pee. I did, you know, what you're supposed to do, uh, which it really felt like that. There was a break in between the, uh, that match, uh, the cage match and this match. There was like a bit of a refresher of everything that happened. And I saw it as an opportunity to stretch a little bit. I got back to my seat, you know, paid attention to my food a little bit. And then next thing you know, it's like the final five women. And it was a really fun match. I thought it was like, in, in terms of watching the show that way, I thought it was a lot of fun because that final five was a lot of fun. Robert? Love the concept of the recap. I thought that was really nice just to let's let's reset, tell you everything that happened throughout the show. And you, that 
you can look back and be like, oh, this really was worth my money. Um, it's, it's a really smart idea. Uh, kudos to Justin Roberts for being able to read all of the rules to this match in one breath. Um, it's the most convoluted rule set ever. It was a great debut for Ruby Soho. I'm happy for her. You could tell how happy she was to be there. The audience made her feel special in a way that she hasn't in the last three or four years. And uh, yeah, I'm glad they, they went with her and uh, curious to see where, where it goes going forward. This was also the most careful Jim Ross was on commentary to not say something that was going to get him canceled. He Mike. was. Oh, okay. He did that to me last week too, man. <laughs> Well, oh, you like, try fucking inter internet issues or something, but controlling like, air traffic over here, you know. Rob, Robert, keep going. <laughs> oh, that's why it was, it was like, just like it, it, no, it was just listening to Jim Ross try to Senator, remember Senator the names of these Senator women. Carpolis? Yes. <laughs> trying to remember the, the names of the up. women while also not saying anything that was going to get him in serious trouble when he's complimenting their physiques or how they look or anything like that. Yeah, because this is like for Jim Ross, like this is you know. Um, women from different countries and women like those are yeah. two red flags that he's got to traipse around <laughs> oh boy uh, um i i like this uh, my 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 big complaint you know uh you know scott scott the biggest aw fan here uh the rest of us actually watched the match that's weird um <laughs> me ouch <laughs> i did not like the fact that Ruby only eliminated Thunder Rosa. I thought that Ruby could have looked better and more strong and dominant in the match. When she first came in, she was getting beat up pretty quickly. And I think when there's a 21 person um, battle Royale for her to only eliminate the final person, I think uh, they could have booked her to be a little stronger if they were going to put her in that number one slot. All right. MJF and Chris. <laughs> what? Nothing. We're just such a writer's room. It's it's fucking lame. All right, let's continue. <laughs> what, what, how should we be describing this? I don't know. I don't know. It's on I a scale know. of this know. is it's dope just... to this is the most dope, but, and that's all you're allowed yeah, to say. Yeah, pretty much. And then let's carry on. Like, God, if you hosted this, did you enjoy it or not enjoy it? I hate the minutes. fan fiction of it all. Go on fucking Reddit. Dude, this this podcast would be <laughs> this podcast would be an hour shorter if you didn't say shit like that. Yeah, then we wouldn't have a fucking show. <laughs> Jesus. If I want to hear was. someone just praise AEW for no Fuck reason, me. I'll listen to Meltzer. I'm kidding. I'm not paying for Meltzer. <laughs> yeah, this this podcast would be two minutes of it fucking rules. Too many women, so I got a sandwich. <laughs> the cool ones would know. Cool ones would know how good it was. All right. Well, Scott, tell us why we should have enjoyed MJF and Jericho. Oh yeah, man. I thought, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it felt like that 2001, 2002 era of WWE felt like, like, an, like, like those triple H matches uh, when, when, when he was really telling a fun story in the ring, even though the story wasn't at all that important and you didn't care about it up until the match. A uh, lot of fun. I loved the false finish. It gave MJF an excuse to walk around acting like he's still undefeated. Jericho won. The crowd made me give a shit about this match a lot. So kudos to the crowd. A plus. Good time. All right. That's our show. Listen to us next week. <laughs> <laughs> now tell Scott, us how Jericho Scott, walked Scott out with the bat. 
But Sting is the bad guy. Scott Scott will be doing the North Korean news after this. Everything is good. Fun time. Mike. No, I always talk about when everything when things are bad. Okay, Mike. What did you think of this match? But we're not reviewing WWE this week, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The fan of Andrade promos and 12-minute meandering Kojima matches. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a lot. I thought that this was one of the best things on the show. Um, to be a little writer's roomy, fan fiction-y, analytical, if you will, Scott, I apologize. Um, <laughs> I thought that they shouldn't have had the other match before this. Um, this should have been the fifth labor. So I do think that that made it a little less special. But the match itself in a bubble and on the pay-per-view was great. My favorite moment was when MJF uh, took Jericho's jacket and wiped his ass with it, but then he threw it, but just far enough that it didn't reach the fans over the barricade. <laughs> I thought that was such a dick move. <laughs> and uh, this was uh, this was great. I mean, if you had to have, like, I mean, look, we were all relieved that Jericho's not going to commentary, right? So ooh. we were happy when it was overturned and then Jericho won. The, the, the one other thing I'll say is, why don't they just have a second referee out there all the time <laughs> to catch mistakes like this? I know. Robert. Uh, the uh, fake-out countdown entrance with MJF was awesome. Um, it would have been my high spot of the week, but there's another high spot of the week coming up later I'll talk about. Uh, it, it was, Jericho seemed to definitely be having fun out there. Brawling through the crowd was really nice. The only thing I would have liked to I, the, having the second ref come out was kind of weird. This may have been one of the rare times they should have used Tony Khan, believe it or not, where he should have come out there and been like, no, this is, that's not the case and, and overturn it to make it feel a little bit more special. Uh, but I disagree, but keep going. Oh, I would have loved to have seen him. I'm, I'm, no, no, we're not, we can't give up this toy. I still, I'm still let to play with it. Um, but overall, you know, he, you know, he'd have CM Punk ice cream on his shirt. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it worked. The crowd was into it. And, uh, Jericho didn't, you know, have a heart attack during it, so it was great. Dude, the crowd chanted, you still got it at Jericho. Uh, I think this is the first time they've chanted that, and he's been wrestling almost weekly. For well, they were years. pretty accurate. He hasn't <laughs> had it for about 19 I know. That's hilarious. That's how different this match was. He was good. CM Punk, Darby Allen. why we all bought the show. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. Um, didn't like, you know, the crowd didn't get to the Hogan rock frenzy levels, but I love the GCS outside the ring spot. Uh, the Irish, the Irish whip spot would have been a disqualification on SmackDown, which is more of a slight to SmackDown. Um, I love the opening moment. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time to just to CM Punk and snow boots, but look, man, CM Punk is back and he's wrestling and all is well in the world. Scott, what did you think of this? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that last part, you know, and I think that's what's most important out of this is CM Punk's back, and that's great. But obviously, this crowd quickly realized, that, like, they went from chanting CM Punk to cheering CM Punk, and there's a difference. Like, chanting CM Punk is because CM Punk is being CM Punk, and cheering CM Punk is going, okay, we're going to do this. You're back, and that's good, and you'll get great at it. <laughs> Soon enough. And like, and I think they realized that and that's why it didn't get to the Hogan rock levels. Also the Hogan was always that, I mean, that's, that's some of the hardest work Hogan ever did. And it was, you know, move a little. So, 
uh, yeah, there was definitely that feeling during this match where I went, what was I thinking that I thought Punk was going to, it was just Darby kind of wrestling himself uh, to the point where he was like moving around Punk's body and then Punk would do a thing, you know? So yeah, I liked it a lot. But... Facially, he told a good story, I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah. There was really awesome, you know, story moments. I mean, the sitting up um, and laughing when, when Darby went for the coffin drop, you know, that, that was good, good shit. But uh, yeah, you know, obviously a lot of headlocks in, until he figured out, okay, what's the next series of moves we have to do? Just Mike? Of- yeah, this match was longer than his entire MMA career. And one of those fights went to a decision. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, this was this was really fun. Uh, dude, if, if he feels like he's got to wear tights, then I'm glad he's wearing tights, <laughs> you know? Like I know there's people there were people like online it, to me it was a weird thing to complain about. I just miss him in the trunks. Like, you know, uh he he knows himself. So I I I will believe him is all I'll say on that. Um and this was, yeah, I the only thing, sorry Scott, uh, the only complaint I have was I was missing a little more of what makes Darby special in terms of like a big, big Yeah, I don't mind. Did you hear me just complain about the match? I just complained about it, right? I do this about everything. And then you guys go, you love it too much. And I go, I think I complained about five things. <laughs> no, we're allowed to complain about the well, things you, you complain, complain about. about. We're not everything. allowed to complain about anything else. You didn't find an issue with everything. <laughs> You're supposed to find an issue with every single moment. Or you love it too much. Scott, you do love this too much. And, uh, <laughs> I just shit on a CM Punk match. Uh, Scott, I've I just known shit on a CM Punk match. 11 years, and the fact that a wrestling company makes you the happiest when there are great people in your life is concerning. Um, who? Who? <laughs> what are you talking about? Definitely not these hosts. Yeah, uh, what? <laughs> I'm the first person to tell you guys you're too negative. <laughs> Not the wives or the therapists. <laughs> or the team of therapists surrounding yeah. these hosts yeah. at all times. Or the other AEW hardcores that listen to this. No, 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 no. Or, or the moms who just want to talk about how great Total Divas are. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, do you remember Daniel Bryan? He's Brian Danielson now. how did you get this number (laughs) uh robert what did you think of this match it was fine uh it was it was cool to see punk back my concern going into it was the crowd was going to be a little confused and they were a little confused and at certain points it was watching punk beat up somebody smaller than him uh which (laughs) was like my wife walked by and she's like who's that little guy that punk is facing i'm like it's darby allen she's like oh i met him he's tiny i'm like yeah, that's your takeaway. It's like Punk's beating somebody up. I, I think on Dynamite, which we'll get to later, positioning him going towards Ricky Starks is how I wanted them to debut Punk, to make it a clean. He's going after a, a pure heel, which would have been a little bit more fun for the crowd and gotten him a little bit uh, more up to speed. It's tough doing a babyface, babyface match. Uh, the visual of Sting dropping Darby off, like it's like, have fun at your after school activity. I'll get you later. Was kind of good. That was hilarious. Uh, I love the post match. Mucho stuff, respect. Oh, mucho respect. I like the handshakes after. Yeah, they they didn't give Darby a lot to to shine with, and then his lack of appearance on on Dynamite was kind of odd. But hey, he's gonna yeah, get the was... Sean Spears rub next week. Yeah. 
that was that's that's a that's gross. Uh, it was <laughs> not getting pinned by Punk. <laughs> you know what? They got to hear Punk scream. It's clobbering time. They got to debate if he's wearing pants or shorts, and uh, he won. So it's fine, dude. As a highlight, as a highlight, really, really cool. Like if you saw, you know, when they did replay all the moments, it yeah. was like, man, Darby looks like a star. Punk is back. And that's what it's about. Can you make a compelling video package? They gave you a compelling video package. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Next up. Also, here's the thing. Was this match better than the promo? No, but it's also CM Punk and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. (laughs) This match also wasn't better than the next match. QT Marshall versus (laughs) Paul White. Robert. Well, here comes a fat piece of shit, so you can <laughs> go to the bathroom now. Well, well I'm trying to fuck this girl at an Applebee's. <laughs> uh, what do you think about this, Robert? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't realize Tony Khan hates Paul White more than Vince to make him wear whatever that getup was, where he looked like he was in dodgeball. Um, Dude, that was the worst outfit I've ever seen. That was brutal. They didn't pay off the Billy Gunn heel turn. <laughs> Which was amazing that you put this on your go home show, <laughs> and then they don't even acknowledge it. Uh, poor, poor QT, and then the 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 human chia pet guy that he comes out with, and it was uh, <laughs> they. Tony Khan did say he put this on the show because he knew certain things would go shorter or longer, and this was an adjustment as a let me up. Um, I, I, you know. I, I was really hoping the crowd was going to sarcastically love QT as much as we do, because my timeline exploded during this. Uh, the Facebook group was everybody was like, oh, this is Robert's highlight. And for about five seconds, watching QT walk out into a packed arena to dead silence <laughs> was probably a highlight. Uh, Even like, booze, you know, it was just like, oh, man, <laughs> it's pretty much what it was. They were like, we just peed during the battle royal. We got we got nothing. <laughs> Mike, what do you think of this? Oh, this was hilarious. I mean, the thing is, like, you know, talking again about this show. Did the I right think... guy go over, Mike? No. <laughs> Alvarado should have made it a, a, a triple threat, and he should have won. <laughs> it, is, it is funny, Robert. I agree with you. There was that. There was that part of me when I was watching this. I'm like, they didn't pay off the Billy Gun heel turn, but then I'm like. But then the match would be longer if they did. <laughs> I mean, this this served the exact purpose. I I am sure that as soon as Punk was over, people you know went to go get stuff and you know merch and shit like that. So this was smart to put next and in, in, in a bubble that was five fucking minutes. Like if this had to exist, and because QT does a lot of work for the company, it had to exist. Uh, this was the best way to do it, Scotty. Uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, it happened, man. (laughs) It It was less dope than the other stuff. Yeah, it was way less dope than all the other things. No, I I don't, you know, again, this shouldn't have happened on the pay-per-view. And I don't think the big show is, is like a thing that people need to see. That's, that's really it. It would be fun if they had him like outside the stadium before the pay-per-view starts and you were able to like throw peanuts at him. (laughs) <laughs> kudos to jim ross for only calling him big show once during the match um that was uh though i was i was surprised jim ross earlier referred to ruby soho as ruby riot and i never in a million years would have thought he knew who ruby riot was so his moments of lucidity and uh senility at the same time was pretty great my you know what my hot take on this this match is uh i would not have had qt in the factory 
This is where I would have used Danny Garcia and 2.0. Um, because Danny can bump like a motherfucker and 2.0 is more entertaining than the guy in the toilet paper outfit. Uh, <laughs> Revenge of the mummy. If like, yeah, the, yeah, if the, they yeah, couldn't choose be between a werewolf and mummy costume. <laughs> it would have been great after the match though. If uh, Paul White walked over to Tony Schiavone's son and hugged him in the same way Penta did with his daughter. And every, every time Aaron Solo comes out, I just like, I announce him in my empty living room as if I'm Jabba the Hutt going, Aaron Sodlo. <laughs> uh, uh, so all right, Kenny, our, our main event, Kenny Omega and Christian. I thought this was kind of boring until the end. Um, and then, you know, it kind of turned into a, a fun title match. You know, obviously the, the whole reason was, you know, we got to see that awesome Adam Cole heel turn. We got to see Daniel Bryan come out and kick ass. I mean, the fucking end of this just felt like the end of the Avengers, you know, with all the different superheroes popping out. Um, I loved it. Um, and so I, I, I can't really, I don't care about the match because the post-match stuff was, was so, was so great. Um, Scott. Yeah. To me, this match was, you know, okay. So you have a set and it kills and it's like, everything is flowing. Like they're, they're, they're along on the wave with you. And then there's a crowd where they laugh at everything they're supposed to laugh at, but it's not a kill because they paused in between those moments. That's what this felt like. Like they reacted to everything they were supposed to react to. There were, this is awesome chance. There were Kenny chance, lesser Christian chance. I mean, that's another flaw in the match is it's, it's a heel dominant match, right? Kenny is dominating like the entire match. But no one here really wants um, Christian to make a comeback. So you have that issue. But yeah, I actually, I, I loved the match. I loved the match. Uh, I just thought, you know, again, it's like you started at 1120, make it 10 minutes, not 22. Because the last 10 minutes, I really loved. Um, but you're going 22 and yeah, but the end was awesome. You, you guys know I got to go. Uh God bless. Us how many how many flaming bowling pins would you give this? Oh, dude, this is one of the greatest pay per views I've ever seen. Um, yeah, this is five. Is five the most five? Five, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Five Scotty Meltzer bowling pins. We'll see you next time, Mister Chaplin. Mike. Um. Well, all right. Now let me get all my other notes. I wasn't <laughs> going to say out of fear. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude, yeah, let's hurt his feelings. Now that Montana Max from Tiny Tunes is gone, we can talk about AEW appropriately. By, by the way, Scott, Scott's not going anywhere. He just knew I was about to talk about Christian. Uh, <laughs> no, Scott so remembered is... Kenny Omega with black hair finished and was like, I got to go. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, we, we all know why this went last. And, and for that reason, it made sense. Um, uh, the match itself, yeah, it was... It was fine. Like the crowd got into it. I, I think Dan, like you, texted us on Sunday, and because I, I did watch the match uh, like a day later, uh, Jim Ross being amazed that everyone was still there was one of the funniest things. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for sticking around, folks. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a Christian match, so blah. Uh, and then um, you know. Uh, Human shrimp man Adam Cole came out and oh, then this come on. 
Oh, hold on. Save save your hatred a minute. I got to first bury this match. Um, look, I, I, I'm, I'm sad Scott's not here so I could point out I was 100% right about the Rampage decision to give that Christian match because you already saw the best of Christian versus Kenny Omega. You had the release. There was everything that you needed from a free TV match. The crowd did not want to see this match. They did not want to see Christian. They were silent for most of it. They started picking up at the end when they realized this thing's almost over. Uh, this was sitting through a shitty meal to get to dessert. I praised the Chicago crowd online for having the decency to not just chant Brian Danielson the entire match. Like they played along knowing you're going to get ice cream at the end. Uh, but this was a slog. This I felt terrible for Christian and Kenny. They were trying. There was a point where there was a table spot where one guy chanted, holy shit but you only heard the one guy go, holy shit. And then silence. He's like, all right, I'm backing off. Um, that was actually Don Callis. His name is Excalibur, Robert. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I wouldn't have said, holy shit. I would have, uh, I would have pointed out that we saw the same move in Pasadena at a PWG show, uh, you know, enter the fuck off gate. Um, yeah, this was uh, this didn't, shouldn't have been the main event, except for you knew why it was going to be the main event. You could clip this into a 30 second package and make it look impressive. But this was one of the worst Kenny Omega matches I saw because the crowd was not with him on the journey. I, I think there was this like, you know, forced. Well, applause they kind of booed point. Christian and everyone wanted Kenny to win. So that was it. And, and, and people were basically saying, like, look, we don't believe Christian's going to win. We know where this is going. Just get to it. And that's a very WWE feel when watching a show. And also, I mean, look, like, is it then if you had, if you had in a row, Ruby, Jericho, uh, Punk, Big Show, and then Christian go over, I think that's not a great feel. Um, the homegrown guy had to win the last match. Yeah, but I don't think a lot of those guys count as homegrown guys uh, or, or not homegrown guys. Ruby Soho doesn't. Ruby, Ruby Soho is not a WWE person. It, she is. I think there's more, Mike, to the fact of it's sticking it to the WWE by taking guys that they squandered and making them look good. Um, I, I agree. I don't think Jericho should have gone over MJF, but that's that's besides the point. Uh, they they rebounded nicely. And then that big show thing, big, big show belongs to the, to the world, Mike. He doesn't belong to one. Well, company. here's my argument for that is look, do I think big show should have gone over? No. But do I think QT should have gone over? Absolutely not. Like, <laughs> if there yes. was a way to have a double like KO, that would have yeah. been fine. The ring right? collapses from boredom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I, I really love the ending and, you know, we get that Avengers ending when, and, you know, I mean, so much cool shit can happen. And uh, they paid it off with a great dynamite last night. Uh, well, two nights ago, cause you guys are getting this on Friday. Uh, it's time for dynamite or dud. It was a big dynamite, big bing, bing, bang, boom, dynamite for me. Oh, Hour oh. one, Alistair Black versus Dustin Rhodes, a Lucha Bros package and Eddie Kingston and uh, Miro package. CM Punk promo with Taz and uh, Team Taz. A Britt Baker promo, Hobbs versus Dante Martin, Lambert Mania, MJF promo. Uh, besides Dan Lambert, I thought everything worked pretty well on this. I, I don't really have anything to say. You know, in the beginning, the Alistair Black-Dustin Rhodes match was a little slow, but I, I thought it told a really good story. Um, you know, CM Punk's promo I thought was really good, even though he's at, he's acting a little bit like the cool principal in school now. Uh, it, I thought he was really good, and shouting out Linda was awesome. Um, MJF calling him all pot-bellied pigs was great. 
and his stuff with uh, Pillman Jr. was great. They need to have an injunction on acronyms for a little bit, uh, but whatever. Um, Griff Garrison, when he's passed out, looks like like Juliet in a predict like a high school production <laughs> of Romeo and Juliet. He looks like he's it's, it's it looks like a little girl getting packed up. Uh, but yeah, I you know like look besides the Dan Lambert stuff, I, I thought this was a really good first hour. What did you think, Mike? This was great, man. Um, this was the the show that I think they needed to have, and they had it. You know, in terms of like, and I just saw this is the first time they they beat the Raw eighteen to forty nine demo. Um, this this show got one point three million uh, viewers in the ratings, um, and it was fucking awesome. Yeah, the opening was great. My the, look, the the botch finish should be mentioned because. You know, he kicked him in the back of the, the shoulder and then he's, ble- you know, Dustin's bleeding from the mouth. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah, but they, yeah, but they covered that well with the, by saying you hit the ring post. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked, I liked it. Uh, yeah. The lamp Lambert's is not for me. Uh, it's just sad. Like I kind of like it in the way I like QT if it's a train wreck. Um, but it's just so weird, uh, especially because then, yeah, you had that MJF promo uh, was one of my favorite things. Like I, I, I tweeted from our Russell Roast account, a Jericho sized weight has been lifted off MJF. <laughs> it really does feel like he's been, you know, lost a little bit in a quagmire kind of uh, in repeat mode. And this was him back at what he does best. Like, there's nobody better, um, I think, it, at, at being a heel, at just being natural and comfortable. Maybe he scripts the shit, but I never believe he scripts the stuff. I think that he was even a better promo than Punk last night. Oh, for uh, sure. He was a better promo than Punk last it's, night. It's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, the Aunt Linda shit and, and all of that was hilarious. You know, I love how Punk, you know, brought her up, which was smart so that it didn't feel random and then just mjf hammering in and being just a piece of shit getting his you know continuing the wardlow thing uh that's gonna be interesting i mean it's been over a year so we'll see how long until that blows off but dude it's fucking exciting shit even short stuff like the the kingston thing um was in the first hour when they did that was in the first hour yeah but the women talking about the battle royale, I love that. Where they all talked about their thoughts on it, that was fucking awesome. There was just a lot of great shit where they kept it simple. They didn't have too many run-ins and everything. I thought shined. I, I thought Martin was, you know, Dante Martin was a great dude to use to get a powerhouse. Dude, I love powerhouse Hobbs, man. He's just like a big old hoss. Yeah, he's awesome, and um, I cannot wait for CM Punk first hook. Robert, um, yeah, I, I this show it was it was a tough act for them to do, and they they did it where you're pivoting to remind people of all the people you all the wrestlers you're supposed to care about. I love that they did an opening video package without using still photos, which was a great fuck you to the WWE. It's like we're going to show you the, the highlights, of the pay per view, because we're confident if you can reorder it, you'll go back and reorder it. I like the uh, Malachi Black Dustin Rose match. Um, using Cody's boot, handing it to Dustin is kind of like a little fuck you was great. The blood on his face that was splattered after was a really cool visual. Uh, it's kind of a shame there was 
a blood heavy moment later on in the night that kind of overshadowed it, but it was a really nice moment. Um, the Eddie Kingston uh, Miro thing, Miro talking about, uh, you know, we both had to ice our balls after that match because I was busy fucking my wife uh, was <laughs> God bless Miro. He's, he's awesome. Uh, Punk's promo was, yeah, it was a little bit of like, uh, we're at a pep rally and, and how about Ruby Soho and, and yeah. how about Moxley? And it's like he's desperate like, to try to like show people that he's not an asshole. Yes. Uh, I like that they, that Taz was setting this up on commentary before getting on the mic when they like Punk coming out and like, and we're going to all these cities. Like, it feels like this is just a Punk love fest. Like Taz is so good on commentary. He needs to be there every week. Um, all the time. I think he's awesome. Uh, Dante Martin, that the Tope Suicida spot where he got caught and just thrown into the post was, was fucking amazing. Um, Dan Lambert. I, I, I realize his office is down the road from where I live. It's in coconut Creek. Um, and uh, that's how much of an impact he had on me. The uh, MJF promo. I'll, I'll, I'll save that for my uh, high spot, low spot. You know, you know what's amazing too with Dan Lambert? I feel like he writes his promos on a typewriter and doesn't put commas. It's like he's struggling to memorize them. You can see where there's no stops, there's no pauses, and he just keeps. Mike, going. can you come a little bit closer to the mic? Sorry. Yeah, there's no stops or pauses. He just keeps going, and you you kind of feel for him. Like he feels like the the dad who practiced the wedding speech. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't remember like the the you know the the husband's name of the of his daughter that's getting married uh you know jeff uh, george uh, you're gonna have a good time also it's weird that he keeps calling people out and nobody answers the challenge um well you had the lance archer stuff and now archer's yeah. just not there and archer just is has vanished into the uh he's gone through the forbidden door hour two Jamie Hader, I'm going to just do my notes while I break this down. Jamie Hader versus Ruby Soho. My note for this is it was a shame that Jamie is as green as grass because I wish that they had had somebody who was a little bit more seasoned to go up against Ruby's for Ruby's first match. Uh, the Pinnacle versus Dark Order. We're getting a Dark Order breakup or we're hinting at that Bray Wyatt's going to save it. I don't care. Uh, there was a casino battle royal package in this hour, which was awesome. Mean old Tully cutting a promo, which I, I can never get enough of uh we're also got pillman jr backstage which is great the elite squaring off against daniel bryan this was fantastic uh the brandon cutler stuff was fantastic i'm glad look i'm glad that they're going with this uh obviously you need to do this match first and because of that they're going to do cm punk and team taz so it's like cm punk isn't going to go right up against mjf they're they're layering stuff which is which is great then we have moxley versus suzuki which i thought was kind of fucking boring i gotta be honest i was a little disappointed in this match i love their stuff at new japan uh and this was you know this was not that uh we got sammy Guevara also coming out friend of the show he did great uh what did you think of this mike yeah i thought this was great in terms of yeah i mean just all the stuff you said the stuff they moved forward they announced matches for arthur ash they announced matches for um what was it? Uh, Rampage. Uh, you know, they announced matches for next week. They they had a lot of groundwork. Um, they did a lot. Yeah, the Suzuki thing was just, I mean, I, I kind of said my thoughts on that. Um, yeah, it was like a short match. It was uh, picture in picture. Uh, they have to really think about, like, I, I don't know how it works with TNT, if they could have other commercials earlier in the hour so that you don't have a commercial break like your main event 
it shouldn't be three minutes. Um, it's it's not good. Um, and I, I just yeah, I don't get Adam Cole, and I I really want to give him. Oh, a the stuff with Tony was great though. It wasn't to me because nerd. Tony looks more intimidating than he does. And also... Yeah, but do, don't you remember, like, uh, the guy used to pick on you, who you, like, the small guy who, like, yeah. had the bigger guys? Yeah, but the, but the the problem is, when he said, I'm going to knock the glasses off your face, I don't feel like if he slapped Tony, the glasses would actually fall off. So, hold on, I have a question for you, Mike. Well, that this has is now more to do with Tony's weird head. But... Yeah, I, I, have a, I have a question for you, because this is now, like, the big thing on the internet, that Vince's pitch to Adam Cole was, we're going to bring you up to the main roster. We're going to change your name. We're going to make you Keith Lee's heel manager. I mean, do you think he would have done fine? And is that how you would have rather no, seen? I don't think he's a great talker. I, I think that he's okay. But oh, like, he's a great talker. Good, but here's the thing. Thanks, Aunt Dan. He's a great talker. <laughs> maybe, maybe, dude, maybe this was like MJF's thing of like, all right, all these new guys are coming in. I'm going to make the most of my spot. He and Dan is my new moniker. I mean, MJF blew everyone out of the fucking water. And the thing is, MJF talks like he believes what he's saying. Adam Cole is clearly playing a character. And I just don't buy him as intimidating or threatening. The hair is gross. Uh, I just can't get into it, man. And I, I want to. But, you know, it sucks to now be able to watch him on Wednesdays and not have another wrestling show to switch to. True. Uh, I uh, disagree, actually. I don't know why I said it's true. Um, <laughs> Robert, what did you think of the second hour? And also, Mike, what was how many uh, Scotty Meltzer flaming bowling pins would you have given all out 2021? Five. I, I thought Five? that it was a, a grand slam. Yeah. I'm going to give four and a half because some of the matches I, I thought weren't up to snuff. But Robert? Uh, Meltzer bowling pins or hour two? Both. Whichever order. Oh, uh, going back and, and talking about the pay-per-view, I realized how kind of underwhelming a lot of it wound up being. So I'll go more four and a quarter. I think it was, I think it was a fine overall show, but the tag match was awesome. The ending moment was awesome. Seeing punk wrestle was awesome. I'm going to be really, I'm like Scott with how reductive I am with my language, but, uh, overall, I think it was, it was solid. It was fine. The, the hour two, um, I don't know who wants to see this Dark Order versus Dark Order feud. This just, uh, I don't, I, I just, I don't care. This feels like when they split up DX and you had Road Dog and X-Pac feuding over like the rights to DX. Like, no, it, it doesn't do anything for me. Um, I like the Casino Battle Royal uh, vignette. I'm also scared about this Tully Blanchard threat that he's going to wrestle Sting. Um, <laughs> I guess because Billy Gunn was unavailable this week. We want to keep doing the old guy stories uh the yeah the the elite stuff was it's it was fine the crowd was super into it um i did not like suzuki and moxley at all uh the selling especially the headbutt spots where they were clearly missing by a country mile and then they both put their hands down they go for the headbutt which was they weren't anywhere close i get being safe but super far off and then did the whoa 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 fall back and fall down it felt like a comedy match this was like a santino spot in what should have just been Oriana, two guys beating yeah. the fuck out of each other. It, it didn't, it didn't work great, but ending with Moxley with the crowd going nuts for him, like he was Cena made him feel big time in a way that he hasn't for the last couple weeks. Uh, he kind of felt lost in the woods for a while. And now he's back. I, I agree with that in the sense that, you know, I often say that the show does, especially doesn't let the endings breathe. And 
they did. I, I thought like they really hit it of just like how well, that's cool. a TNT problem. Like they need to get an overrun. Um, just give them an extra three, five minute window. Just tell them, Hey, we're going to be going a couple minutes late, which helps TNT because that helps them with the hour crossover. I mean, I'm sure people want to stay tuned to watch the accountant for the hundredth time, but that was the reason USA let them do the overrun because you still got that little like, all right, at 1101, the crowd is still, the audience is still here. We're getting the big rating um, there. They, they have these hard outs and sometimes they get super rushed. This totally paced well. Yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was Creed 2 because I did end up watching it. I hadn't seen it. <laughs> Wait, Creed, it's funny, right? Creed 2 was on before it as well. Yeah, and after. It was on before and after. Pretty good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, they, they, they probably just got the rights. But um, yeah, the other thing I, I wanted to say was, here's here's a, a Kate Fabe question. They had advertised Daniel Bryan addresses his fans. If he did not come out and interrupt the elite, when would he have had that segment? During the overrun. <laughs> but there was no overrun. Yeah, that was, that was weird. Um, I, I like that he has the Brock Lesnar mini man bun. Uh, yeah. But the and the and the white T-shirt because he has no merch. Well, they're they're waiting to get like a, a fucking hoodie made out of patchouli, yanked out. All right, next up we have our we have our tournament of champions, the We Must Hate Ourselves World Cup. We're at round two this week, guys. The Yeti versus Techno Team Two Thousand, which is the worst gimmick? For me, this is another blowout. The Yeti because it wasn't a fucking Yeti; it was a mummy. Okay. And uh, all Vince misses, like, you can see where they failed. Like, like Vince just thought Techno Team 2000 is whatever the future was going to be. Um, anyway, that guy, one of the guys ended up becoming a monster truck driver. It's forgettable. It's not terrible. And I think the Yeti's worse, too, because the last entry of the Yeti's Wikipedia post we did last sentence of the wikipedia entry is one of the saddest sentences i've ever this is the last sentence reese which is which is the yeti's real name uh reese re-emerged in vince russo's christian themed oriented ring of glory wrestling promotion in 2005 as the abstract character evil losing to joshua the carpenter on february 26th <laughs> yikes What's the worst gimmick, Mike? The Yeti or Techno Team 2000? And then you pick the third one that's better than both. <laughs> <laughs> the, the manifestation of evil. Uh, isn't he in New Japan? Um, <laughs> I, I, dude, I gotta say, because yeah, I also did some Wikipediaing, and uh, Techno Team 2000 is Eric Watts, son of Bill Watts. Uh, and um, the, the, the Genetti of second generation stars is always the, the punchline name used. And then the other guy's name is like Chad Fortune. And he was a football player. I think it was in the Indianapolis Colts. Then he became a wrestler. And then after that, he was a monster jam, like monster truck driver for like 20 fucking years. Pretty cool what life. A, what a cool fucking career. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I would say the... Uh, the the yeti is is worse because they're like the dungeon of doom you're supposed to be a little afraid of some of them but i mean i mean we could have done this tournament just on dungeon of doom gimmicks yeah uh, and then you get that weird gangbang at the end with hogan and andre and the yeti 
so gross it's like the yeah, opposite and, of that scene in wild things and i and i i, I, will, I will tell you this um kevin sullivan was the adam cole of his day <laughs> like, i do not get how that guy was threatening in any way at all robert what's the worst gimmick the yeti or techno team 2000 so i love the yeti dry humping hulk hogan it's one of those botchamania classic moments uh but for me, it is Techno Team 2000 because Whoa. now obviously the was, Yeti won because two versus yes. one. But well, uh, the the uh, my my vote on this is because when this happened, this was when like my my mainstream fans, my mainstream my mainstream friends were watching wrestling because everybody was watching wrestling, and Techno Team 2000 made such an impact of how shitty they were to this day. My friends, when I'm talking about wrestling, like, oh, are Techno Team 2000 going to be on there? Like, it sucked that much that 20 some odd years later, it's the only thing that they can remember. Uh, and that is a lasting shitty gimmick. The Yeti, it's like, all right, so he's not the Zodiac. He's not the shark. Uh, he's not the, you know, Mongolian stomper or whoever, that, you know, Archie Golding or whatever. But uh, it was a dude dressed up in toilet paper. Techno Team 2000 has staying power for how shitty they were. Wow. Interesting hot take, but unfortunately, Robert, you have been voted down. Uh, the Yeti will be moving on. Wait, Tec Scott's texting me. He said Techno Team 2000, <laughs> as did Zach. No, nope. uh, sorry, buddy. Sorry. Zach they have to be vote. on the show. They have to be on the show. We, we, we know they would never text you. That's fair. <laughs> hey, let's check in with our Twitterverse. Mike, what's the question All of the week? Right. So this week, I asked people, uh, you know, to give us their one sentence review as Vince McMahon of All Out. Vince McMahon in, in a in a alternate reality where Vince McMahon watches wrestling, let alone other wrestling. He watched All Out. What's the first thing he says when it's over? Okay. At Promographic Ken, All Out? God damn it, Bruce. Our ratings are in the toilet. There's no time to go to the strip club. Huskers <laughs> 88. Johnny, you couldn't even get your son-in-law re-signed? Put down the damn swimsuit catalog. <laughs> At show off 1984. Nick, get on the phone. We need the biggest hitter we got. Get me Hornswoggle. <laughs> At Berlin 19. I'd like him to take that lady. I'd like to take that lady referee on one of my limousine rides, pal. What a maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> At Mark number seven. I hate this more than I hate my son Shane. <laughs> and see Duran Duran sure they have exciting magic stories people want to see in charismatic personalities but do they have Saudi money hmm? <laughs> at bleeding that, blue that last one turned into uh, a Muppet I was just going to say that that was a great <laughs> Muppet I that. I'm sorry if I ruined the joke <laughs> at bleeding blue 20 uh, Bruce we released punk fuck I thought he was still on his honeymoon <laughs> at Santos three four two one, damn it, Bruce! They got Daniel Bryan at Adam Cole. Push almost. That's such good shit. <laughs> Adam the Hawk, damn it, Bruce! I told you they didn't even have one black man wrestle, and the fans ate it up. Maybe we should have our troop do something even more degrading than win the fa their fans over. <laughs> at Smart NATO, hey, almost is over. By the way, keep going. What's that? Almost is over. By the way. Yeah. He's almost over. <laughs> uh, at SmartNado781, Taker, we need you, pal. And AK, how the fuck did we miss this QT guy? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> come that on, one. turn off 205 live and come to bed. <laughs> Christopher W227. Bruce, why is Dean Ambrose wrestling Taka Michinoku? <laughs> and finally, from at Steve Laurie, get me the dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, uh, man. That was fun. What's your what's your high spot this week? Oh, uh, my my high spot was the MJF promo this week. It was it was the happiest I've been watching wrestling in a very long time. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a homer for Max. I love that kid. I think he is the future of of the industry uh, for decades to come. It was a completely natural shitty heel promo, and he rattles off some of the lines so well he does try he doesn't write it down but he does try to, to think it out i mean just some of the notes i had was calling out pillman's sister and calling her 16 and pregnant uh mm-hmm. then referring to uh pillman's mom as methany um <laughs> it's so it, and he just weaves it so well and he was telling the story of you know getting the crowd to hate him it's like you feel like he's doing this weird very uh local uh heat shtick and it made sense because pillman was getting coming out there and and be the hero uh, for it, the weaving the Wardlow stuff into there and, and reminding you of that. Max was just, he was on fire and he's, again, I think Mike, you said it, he's liberated not having to deal with this Jericho shit and can now move on to do something. And he'll make the most of uh, anything they give him, including Pillman. Can I, can I, can I read you something? This is, this is newer. Um, Brian Pillman Jr. this morning tweeted, in a bizarre turn of events, the encounter between my pregnant sister and MJF sent my sister in contractions late last night, and she is expected to have a baby today or tomorrow. My nephew is about to have the same birthday as me. What a surreal week. MJF responded, I destroyed this inbred family so bad, even the fetus wanted to be as far away from it as possible. Ugh. <laughs> 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 oh. Oh, oh, that's great. I mean, that may be my high spot of the week. Mike, what's your high spot this that's week? Uh, my high spot of this week was um, the return of uh, Max Caster and the, the promo that him and Bowens had. It, it was on dark, and but, but it made the rounds. And they came out and they started off reading a scripted promo, an approved promo. Um, and oh, had a lot great. of fun jokes. And then fucking Bowens was great where he's like, he took the sheet of paper, like, and by the way, make sure to watch the new hit show, Roads to the Top, September 29th. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. Um, and, then, and then he did a rap. Um, you know, Dude, like run up low spot in these in these in these roasts to the top commercial. Brandy comes off as such a heel. She's like, she's like, once again, we're just doing everything for everybody else. And I'm like, you out of all the people to say that you. Sorry. Yeah, you're living your life for a TV show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the the but that 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 promo is worth uh, watching, and I'm glad that uh, the acclaimed is back. They're awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with my hash spot. I was gonna go with all the entrances at the end of All Out until I saw that Scott Steiner was on cameo today. Uh, <laughs> look, if you get a Scott Steiner cameo, you're either gonna get a great old fashioned Scott Steiner promo where he's gonna call you fat ass, so that's fun. Or you're going to get him like relaxed talking, but he still wears the chain mail hat. So it's just the most bizarre thing to see somebody casually talking about the business while looking like a real sex toy. Uh, my low spot this week, 
Uh, Kane talked about he may be running for uh, statewide office. And I realized that him running for president isn't even like in the top 20 worst Republican options compared to like Ron DeSantis or Tunnel Jump Jr. So just kind of realizing where our, where our country is at politically. What's your low spot, Robert? Uh, it's, it's tough. Um, I'm trying to think what the hell my, my, my low spot was. I, I know I had one uh, queued up and uh, where the hell is it? Um, yeah. <laughs> We can go back to you. Yeah, and come back to me on it. All right, uh, Mike. What was your lowest spot this week? Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's kind of two things, but it ties together. Uh, the the end of NXT as it was, and uh, Triple H's uh, heart problem. Um, it seems like he's he's doing better. He is a fun uh, wrestling punching bag, but but genuinely, the guy really does seem you. Know, Mike, oh. Mike froze. I think Vince stopped Mike from saying a sincere compliment about Triple H. Robert, uh, yeah, my my low spot of the week was uh, Jeff Hardy as part of the twenty four seven crew. I knew I had it written that somewhere. Shit. Yeah, Holy that was shit. that was my low spot because you know what? It's like I get that Jeff Hardy now is not the Jeff Hardy of a, a decade ago, but to make him part of the gaggle of like guys coming from catering. And when they asked him about it, he was like, look, I just go and do what they they tell me. Make the most of what you have with Jeff Hardy. Like it sucks what they're doing with with like carrying cross and, and feeding uh John Morrison to him this week who deserves better. But Jeff Hardy is one of those guys who love him or hate him he deserves to be in a slightly better spot than the guy next to umberto carrillo trying to catch tozawa yeah man that would that was tough all right folks well, you would you say play. that that's uh hardy's new low <laughs> <laughs> oh we didn't even talk about the fact that matt hardy and orange cassidy are having a hair versus hair match uh that could yep. be fun, though. No, calm down, Scott. <laughs> I, I do think uh, the Hunter stuff is really depressing. I hope he makes a full recovery. All right, folks. Uh, we have a five-star review for us on iTunes. Leave a, leave a review of us on iTunes. a good one. Um, become a $5 patron or a $10 one. If you're $10, you get to see me and Robert talking about a packed SmackDown this Friday night. $5, you get a ton of extra roasts. And I just mentioned the with some of the great episodes that are coming up. Join our YouTube, our Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We got t-shirts. They're right now on Robert's um, WWE Creative-ish wrestling, a pro wrestling tea store. Uh, they'll be on mine soon. Uh, please keep posting us on message boards. I love the Facebook group this past weekend for uh, for uh, the pay-per-view. It was awesome talking to you guys. And hopefully Scott and I will be able to meet up with some of you before the Arthur Ashe Stadium show on the 22nd. Next week, we got the brights. We got the roast of AJ Styles on the bright side. Show in hell. We're going to be doing Claire Lynch, which is TNA's answer to Katie Vick. I will be tweeting that out uh, this week, which clip we're watching. Uh, for the We Must Hate Styles World Cup, we're doing fake Razor and Diesel versus the final solution, Dynamite or Dud, and High Spot, Low Spot. Got anything to promote, Mike? Oh, uh, yeah. The Facebook page is a pop in, lots of funny people there lots of good insights wrestling memes that mjf uh tweet that i read his response to tillman jr was on our facebook page so people share a lot of fun stuff uh and it's awesome to interact with everybody awesome robert yeah follow me on twitter at wwe creative underscore is 
H. Uh, the Facebook group is a hell of a lot of fun. The, the shirts have been very popular. Uh, if you bought one of the shirts, once you get it, remember, if you tweet us a picture of you wearing the shirt or post it on Facebook, one of us will call you um, and uh, talk wrestling or you can hear dan's dogs bark whatever the hell you want yeah. um and uh wait till you find out there, there's no dogs it's just me making the sounds that that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me all that much um, <laughs> um all right oh so. and uh, and on the something sports entertainment with uh there was a bonus one that i did after rob talking not only just raw but how Vince probably sees everything that happened on uh, AEW's pay-per-view. Seriously, not as a in-character thing, but what his vision of, of wrestling is versus the AEW vision and why he's not worried about guys like Cole and, and Danielson and Punk at showing up. Uh, so that's up on the Something to Sports Entertainment with Tier. All right, folks, a lot of stuff to check out. And you know what? Since Zach didn't show up, don't wash your hands this week. Get them all dirty. See what happens. Actually, watch them. COVID's still a problem. All right. See you next week.